Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith. Today I'm here with Dr. Kashyap Patel, who is here to discuss his recent presentation at the International Myeloma Society annual meeting. Dr. Patel, thanks so much for joining me today. Of course, of course. So to start off, would you like to tell us a little bit about your work and what you do? So my background is my day job is I, I work at my own practice that I founded back about 20 years back in just outside Charlotte, but it's in South Carolina. We have two locations. One is suburban, one is rural location where we really see what happens with disparities. Uh, I also had Community Oncology Alliance as a president uh, where actually it's association of about, I think, 3,000 plus oncologists from across the country. And we represent patients and policy interests to ensure that our work reflects the protection of patients' right to get treatment as and when they want. And also, you know, policy that supports uh, keeping practice independent because many of the policy changes could have inadvertent consequences of, you know, carrying the practice's survival. So that's my role. I also work with multiple peers. I work with uh, Medicare, Medicaid as a CAC committee member. I've been in ESCO's multiple committees. And for the last two and a half, three years, since we saw the publication of the American Association of Cancer Research Report on Disparities, I've been devoting a lot of time on disparity to the point that I've dropped my clinic session by two days a week to focus on how do we take care of all the patients and not just select few. Uh, and, and, and so I, I spent over like 2,000 hours reading about disparities in the last two and a half years. I've read over 300 plus different papers across the world. And I do think that these problems can be fixed at a local level rather than policy level at DC level. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I'd love to hear more about your presentation. Um, just by way of background, what are some of the factors in the U.S. that lead to cancer health disparities? Well, that's excellent. So I, I, I analyzed, I think there are about six main factors that lead to disparities. Number one is access to care with financials. So patients who, who are uninsured, underinsured. Uh, many Americans, probably 19% do not have secondary insurance. So they are, don't have 20% out-of-pocket cost, which could be huge. If you look at Medicare beneficiaries who barely make about $2,000 a month or $15 a month, if they have to pay 20% out-of-pocket cost, they really file for kind of you know, bankruptcy or they lose their homes. I mean, so that's a big one, the financial cost. Then there are actually factors related to the peers as well. Many peer policies really kind of do not allow adequate coverage of necessary medications, particularly when it looks into the Medicare Advantage plans as well as many Medicaid MCOs. And there was OIG report that came out probably earlier this year that showed that 13% beneficiaries of the public insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, do not get appropriate coverage simply because of the peer policies that prevent them from getting that. So that's a peer-related factor. Third is access to cancer screening. So when you look into like lung cancer, for example, only 13% Medicaid beneficiaries and I think similar number in Medicare beneficiary get screened for lung cancer. That means 87% do not get screened for lung cancer, even when they have insurance, even when they have clinical indication. So lack of appropriate cancer screening, you know, you add the breast cancer screening, colon cancer screening, a lot of cancers if detected early on can be prevented. So that's the third factor. <clears throat> the fourth factor is the personalized medicine. So access to NGS testing, comprehensive genomic profiling. We are moving from site of cancer to biology of cancer. And 
more than half of the patients with certain tumor types actually have an actionable mutation into the tumor against which there may be possible option of targeted therapies. But the rate of cancer testing varies depending on where the patient lives. So that is actually is a fourth factor that inadequate testing for the molecular genotype leads to, uh, you know, again, uh, the disparities. Then comes access to clinical trials. So the access to clinical trials is a huge issue. And it's not only impacting better care, but also the drugs don't work same way in all the population. There's a difference between men and women. There's a difference between African-American, Caucasians, Hispanics, Asians, Indians. There's, there's a wide variation in what we call pharmacogenomics on different medications. So unless we have the appropriate representative population in clinical trials, we may not be able to identify which drug works better in one population and also toxicity differences. So there are actually big differences uh, that are emerging because of lack of understanding about the efficacy of a drug in different ethnicities. So that is fifth factor. And last one is social determinants of health. So when you look into the food insecurity, housing issues, utility issues, it leads to huge disparities to the point that there's a paper published, I forgot the name of the author, in, in the journal Cancer, where they showed that uh, independent of disease type and the type of treatment used, social determinants of health, three or four of adverse of them, can lead to higher mortality. So we could use the same drug, same disease, same population, but three or four more adverse SDOs can lead to higher mortality risk. When you look into certain areas, for example, in New Orleans, in the French Quarter, if one is born in French Quarter, life expectancy is about 55 years. If you're born about maybe just 15, 20 miles northwest of that, life expectancy could be eight years. So the zip code where you're born determines how long you go to live. So that's huge disparity there. These are the factors that lead to disparities. Great. Thank you so much for that overview. That's it's clearly, you know, a lot of issues to overcome. Um, so what are some of the, the first initial steps that you think can be taken to begin to address these? So we started something called a No Left Alone program last year. Uh, and we started looking at, you know, we are trying to build a plane as we fly it, I call it. So in, in, in the first uh, part of our uh, kind of implementation, we looked into existing cancer patient, what can we do? So we started looking at, we, we had three dedicated employees whose only work was to look at the financial issues, find out the foundations, look at the free drug program. And in the first year, we, we raised close to about $2.3 million without direct and indirect assistance for my patient pool, which is $1.6 million worth about free drugs, another 300,000 worth of oral drugs assistance and all of that. So we showed that by having three to four full-time employees for the practice of five oncologists, we can virtually cover every patient's financial needs from different foundations as far as treatment is concerned. So that is one that we figured out. Second one was I reached out to two large labs and requested them that I want to increase the biomarker testing in guidelines concordant fashion but my patients may not be able to pay difference if the test is not covered. 
and as a part of registry that looks into the diversity of the genomic profiling in patients of different population, they agreed to uh, do it as a part of research so that the cost can be alleviated if patient does not have appropriate coverage. So that actually we took care of that. We raised our testing rate to close to 80% plus. So that is the second step that we we have an ongoing study that looks into the lack of uh, cancer screening and also what called social determinants of health. And how do we refer those patients to places where they get some help? So completing the loop of finding the unmet SDOH needs and how we are able to fulfill those needs. So that's actually going on right now. We are looking into the, uh, what we call the clinical trials. So we are forming a consortium of about seven or eight practices on the east coast of the country and just a completely new concept of bringing those teams together and bringing resources to bring at least phase three studies as well as some real world evidence studies to address the lack of uh, access to clinical trials in that patient population. And then peer factors, we are proactively reaching out to the peer and requesting them to review their policies Unfortunately, a couple of pairs have really alleviated the need for what we call the uh, pre-authorization or step edits, as long as we meet the NCCN requirements. So these are some of the things we are doing to address disparities. And I already have two papers out. I'll be very happy to send them to you about how we conquered, how we actually address the first two parts of disparities. Great, thank you. It sounds like a lot of you know really exciting initiatives. On the um, community level, um, for, you know, community physicians who are treating patients, are there any steps that they can take to, um, you know, try to minimize these disparities? So this is exactly, so we are trying to do what we call a phase one study in population health. My NOLA project is all about how does a community clinic like that of ours, five doctors, four mid-levels, and work with local stakeholders, local not-for-profit, bring together under one kind of uh, coalition and try to address. I personally don't think that, you know, either government or the DC can solve this because it's too large a problem, but each unique population health, each unique population may have unique needs. And, and the best solution is to find the uh, like-minded people together to address disparities locally. It's, so it's all going to be local. Great. Thank you so much. This is a really, you know, really great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing it all. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. In addition to our podcast, the Oncology Data Advisor site features expert perspectives and news stories on the latest in cancer research and treatment.